In politics, a gaffe is when some politician accidentally tells the truth. Jen Psaki, our favorite current White House press secretary, committed a big gaffe over the past few days when after weeks of steadfastly refusing to call the situation at our southern border a crisis, she accidentally slipped and called it like it is. Were there expectations set with the Mexicans that they helped deal with the situation on the border? The, we, there have been there have there have been expectations set outside of uh, unrelated to uh, any vaccine doses or requests for them that they would be partners in dealing with the crisis on the border. The reporter calls it a situation at the border. The, the reporter is holding the party line. Jen Psaki, though, because, you know, not she doesn't always have the best answers. She accidentally tells the truth. And we've got new information. The crisis is way, way worse than anybody is letting on. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment on Friday is from Paul Gold, who says, it's hilarious when corrupt politicians, but I repeat myself, always start off their lies by saying, let me be perfectly clear. That actually means that they will be lying or evading the question with swamp speak. This is true when politicians, Obama did this a whole lot. Joe Biden did this a lot. Let me be perfectly clear. And then he'd just go on and lie to you. It's sort of like when people say, hey, to be honest, or listen, honestly, because it, it suggests that they haven't been honest with you up until this point. <laughs> you know, let me be perfectly clear. Say like, well, I haven't been perfectly clear with you and I probably won't be clear with you right now. In these sort of chaotic times, it's good to have some tangible things you can rely on, like physical gold, acre gold, great way to invest in physical gold. You know, the price of gold has been skyrocketing lately. Now there is a way to buy gold through a company called Acre that will not force you to shell out everything all at once. You can subscribe through Acre to gold bars for as little as $30 a month. But Michael, that's not possible. Gold costs more than $30. Well, that's true. But Acre's figured out this ingenious way where you pay each month. And once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they will discreetly ship Acre gold to your house. Just recently, Acre has introduced a new $100 a month subscription to their five gram gold bar. Also, you know that there's a nationwide ammo shortage. Well, Acre is crafting a solid gold 24 karat 9 millimeter bullet for you to buy right now. They're not making a ton of these, so get it now. It's extremely cool. I guess I should tell you, you're, you're really not supposed to shoot these bullets unless you were aiming right at the heart of a werewolf. Uh, head on over. I mean, this is really terrific. I love uh, investing in precious metals. I've enjoyed that in my life. Visit getacregold.com slash Michael. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acres giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore acre. That's getacregold.com slash Michael. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. The crisis at the border is a crisis that Joe Biden has made. He isn't the cause of the entire crisis. He's not the reason from the very beginning that there are any illegal aliens that are crossing our border. That has been going on for a long time. Joe Biden's been in politics a long time and his policies have, have exacerbated that. But when we're talking about what's happening right now, the record numbers of people, unaccompanied minors, accompanied minors, and foreign nationals generally who are pouring across this border right now during the uh, supposedly deadly, unprecedented pandemic where we are not permitted to leave our houses and go 
hang out down the street at a restaurant or go to church. At the same time, you've got record numbers of foreign nationals pouring across our border, many of whom are not tested for coronavirus. This is being caused by Joe Biden. His policies are leading to the historic numbers that we're seeing. You don't need Jen Psaki to tell you that. You don't need me to tell you that. Illegal aliens themselves are saying this to journalists. Journalists have not been permitted into the detention facilities for the illegals. Unlike any other uh, previous administration, uh, there is essentially no transparency at these detention facilities, but uh, sometimes the journalists are able to catch them in various other places. And uh, Martha Raddatz on ABC was speaking to an illegal alien saying, why are you here? Why'd you do it? The answer, Mr. Biden. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not. Definitely. We had the chance, you know, the, the same violence that is going on today was there last year. We used to watch the, the news and uh, I definitely won't do this. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically, basically. Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country. The main thing was the violence in my country, but the next thing was that Joe Biden is president. Uh, that is something that anyone with any common sense already knows. And interesting that ABC News, Martha Raddatz, not exactly a conservative outlet or a conservative reporter, but the story is so clear that they're at least bringing this to the forefront. This illegal alien won't show his face, obviously, because he's doing something illegal. But he's saying, look, Joe Biden is essentially inviting me across the border. At many times during the 2020 presidential campaign, he said, you should surge the border. You should come to the border. And he's saying, the main reason is because there's violence in my country. Maybe that's true. Or maybe just broadly speaking, his country isn't that nice and our country is a lot nicer. He says, but after that, the reason I'm doing it now, the immediate cause is Joe Biden. Yeah, makes perfect sense, of course. I don't think that we can say that Joe Biden is entirely to blame and this guy is not to blame at all because this guy is doing something illegal. This guy is breaking the law, a very sacred law to a country. And that's the first act he's going to, to perform in that country. So he, he is doing something wrong. He should know better. And it's very sad that his country is no good, but the answer is not just for everyone from every no good country to flee and come to our country. That's not going to work and to break our laws while doing it. Still, Biden bears a lot of blame here. Our politicians should enforce the law, particularly our politicians in the executive branch, and they're not doing it. They're doing the opposite. It's not merely that they're looking the other way. It's not merely that they're taking their eyes off the ball. They are actively encouraging this wave of immigration. The Biden administration is allowing the release of illegal border crossers into the U.S. without even scheduling a court date. So at least ordinarily, if they're going to start releasing people into the U.S., they'll pretend that there's going to be any sort of justice. They're at least going to say, okay, you've got to show up in court on this date. And usually they don't show up in court, but the Biden administration isn't even doing that. They're just saying, see ya, enjoy, good luck. And, but just remember though, once we give you amnesty, you got to vote for us. Don't forget that. Border patrol agents in the Rio Grande Valley sector have begun to process and release illegal border crossers who claim asylum without that notice to appear. This is unprecedented. This has never happened before. Uh, this is uh, uh, being reported according to, to Fox. Uh, places the responsibility of seeking an asylum hearing on the migrants through 
ICE or legal assistance. Probably not going to happen. Beyond that, what if you enter this country illegally and you're not being turned away, but you know, you don't have anywhere to go? What is going to happen? I think a sane country would say, yeah, the way to go is right across that border <laughs> in the other direction, right back where you came from. Our country, under the Biden administration, just awarded an $86 million contract for hotel rooms near the border to hold some 1,200 migrant family members who illegally crossed our border. This is from DHS officials confirming it to Axios. The contract went to a Texas-based nonprofit. The contract of $86 million is for six months. It could be extended. It could be expanded. These hotels are in Arizona and Texas, all areas right along the border. In this past year, when your government has told you that it's so dangerous outside with this virus that you can't have Thanksgiving, you can't have Christmas, you can't see your friends, you can't bury your dead relatives, you can't have your weddings, you can't go to church, because if you go outside and maybe you're not vaccinated and you're not tested, but even if you are vaccinated, that's an, a, an historic public health crisis. That same regime is spending $86 million to bring in people, foreign nationals, from countries that don't have such great public health systems, without, in many cases, testing them for coronavirus, and putting them up in hotels, and then releasing them into this country, often without a court date. Somewhere, someone is not playing in good faith. The same people cannot be doing both of those things sincerely. So who is it? Is it Joe Biden? Well, I'm not so sure. Is Joe Biden really the one calling the shots? You may have seen this. It happened on Friday. Joe Biden tried to walk up a flight of stairs and he stumbled. More than stumbled, he fell right down three times. You see him walking up the stairs to Air Force One. There he stumbles, there he falls again, there he just goes all the way down. Rubs off his leg, now he grabs onto both railings, makes it into the airplane, finally. Very sad, I don't want to make fun of an elderly man for falling down the stairs. The staffers tried to blame this on the wind. If you look at National Weather Service, the wind in that area, it was a light breeze, was not heavy wind. This is just more affirmation that uh, Joe Biden is not the man he once was. And fair enough. If we, you have relatives who are 78 years old. Do you think that they can run up and down stairs all sprightly while they're leading the free world? In some cases, look, there are some people who can do it, but generally speaking, no, probably not. So is he really calling the shots? I also don't want to hear that bringing up Joe Biden's fall is cheap. I don't want to hear that it's unseemly or that it's irrelevant. Give me a break. After what we heard from Donald Trump, I don't want to hear about it. Trump, of course, had uh, some things to say about Biden's fall. I watched as uh, Joe Biden went up the stairs today. And said, I didn't lose to him. Which we didn't lose to him. Almost 75 million votes and probably a lot more than that. So there it is, a classic Trump line. Yeah, I watched him walk up the stairs. I did not lose to that guy, okay? I, there's no way that I, it can't have happened. It's not possible, okay? And the people laugh, and I'm sure he's going to be, you know, they're going to increase his gulag sentence now by 30 years for sp- 
spreading the misinformation of telling a funny joke that rings true to a lot of people because Biden's obviously not all with it. But I don't want to hear it for, uh, to me that I shouldn't have bring up Joe Biden's stumbling. And I don't want to hear people say that Donald Trump shouldn't have brought up Joe Biden's stumbling because Joe Biden did it himself. Look at how he steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay, come on. It's a legitimate question to ask. Legitimate question to ask of both of us. Thank God my health is good, but I'm a great, I'm a great respecter of fate. I realize anything can happen to anybody at any age, any time. But I promise you, I would not be running unless I was in very good health. I work out every morning, and I am in relatively good shape, as my mother would say. Knock on wood. It's a legitimate question. Look how I run up steps. Look how he slides down ramps. He's talking about how at a West Point game, there was a slippery ramp, no steps ramp. So Trump walked a little bit more slowly than he usually does. Look at how I run up steps. Well, we did, Joe. We are looking at that. And Joe Biden made an issue out of this. And the left made a big issue out of this at the time. And this feeds into something that we all know. You might hate Donald Trump, but I don't think anybody thought that Donald Trump was low energy in decline. I mean, this is a guy who was working 24 hours a day, always extremely high energy, dancing around at his rallies, always got the vicious, clever, you know, jibe at, at one of his opponents. Joe Biden, I don't think we've been thinking that. And this raises now even more questions. I get a lot of questions when I go to the auto parts store, the brick and mortar, and I don't know the answer to them, which is why it's much, much better to go to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Like, let's say hypothetically, I'm just going to come up with this off the top of my head because I'm a big expert on cars. Let's say you need a Delphi FG145 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey and it costs, I don't know, I'm going to say $354 at a big chain store. That's the kind of thing you can get at Rock Auto for 217 bucks. Pretty good, huh? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to RockAuto.com right now. Spare yourself the humiliation of not knowing, you know, exactly this part or this type or whatever. And then you go into the brick and mortar and they charge you twice as much. I love how easy the catalog is to navigate. The prices are reliably low and it's the same prices for professionals as for do-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S in their How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Now, in addition to his comments on Joe Biden's ability to walk and what this means about Joe Biden's political strength, President Trump also has some news to announce. This, I think a lot of people have been suspecting is in the work for a long time. President Trump sent one of his aides, Jason Miller, on the news shows this weekend to announce that, yes, the president, he is kicked off Twitter. Yes, the president is off of Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Uh, yes, the president has not chosen to join any of the alternative social media platforms like Gab or like Parler. But President Trump will be back to social media soon because he's going to launch his own social media platform. 
I do think that we're going to see President Trump returning to social media in probably about two or three months here with his own platform. And this is something that I think will be the, the hottest ticket in social media. It's going to completely redefine the game. And everybody is going to be waiting and watching to see what exactly President uh, Trump does. But it will be his own platform. Well, I can't go much further than what I was able to just share. But I can say that it will be big once he starts. There have been a lot of high-powered meetings he's been having at Mar-a-Lago uh, with some teams of folks who have been coming in. And I got to tell you, there have been, it's not just one company that's approached the president. There have been numerous companies, but I think the president does know what direction that he wants to head here. And this new platform is going to be big and everyone wants him. He's going to bring millions and millions, tens of millions of people to this new platform. You know, listening to Jason Miller speak here, I'm reminded of how much I miss the kind of Trump era of Republican politics. Uh, hope, hopefully we have learned something from that. Hopefully some version of that will continue, but just this like, look, it's going to be the biggest. It's the greatest. Everybody wants in. It's going to be terrific. And frankly, he's probably right. I mean, there are going to be a lot, a lot of people who head on over to Donald Trump's social media platform. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's very important that conservatives assert their cultural and political power because the, the field in which we're allowed to play now in politics, but also economically, the, the uh, scope of things we're allowed to say and, and allowed to do is really shrinking. And it's not just being shrunk by big government. It's being shrunk by corporate America. It's being shrunk by the administrative state. It's being sh- shrunk by big tech. It's being sh- shrunk by a lot of companies that are adopting wokeism, which brings me to a little bit of uh, personal news from this show. It actually pains me to relate this. But I I feel I have to do it. I feel I owe it to the listeners to relate this. We have a lot of advertisers on this show. Some of them share our values. Many of them don't share our values. And uh, that's perfectly fine. We don't don't discriminate (laughs) based on the views of some company. And they tend not to discriminate based on our views. And we think if we we can have a good partnership and if they've got a good product, we want to bring that good product to the people who listen to this show. Harry's razors uh, seems to have a big issue with us now and a big issue, therefore, with our listeners. We found this out over the weekend. A Twitter account that has two followers that does not, you know, it doesn't seem to be the most prominent or legitimate <laughs> real uh, Twitter account came out and it complained at Harry's to try to get Harry's to drop this show. Harry's Razors and said, Harry's Razors is sponsoring Michael Knowles, who is spreading homophobic and transphobic content, you know, and how did all the phobias and all the isms and all that sort of thing. So Harry's, which has been a good partner on this show and they make great razors, responded to this very small, it would seem not totally legitimate Twitter account by saying, thanks for bringing this up. We condemn the views in this video. What video is it? We'll get to that in a second. We condemn the views in this video, which are inexcusable and at odds with our longtime support of the LGBTQ plus community. We've ended our relationship with this show and are looking into our sponsorships to prevent any values misalignment going forward. So I looked, I said, what video are they talking about? It's a video where I appeared on Candace Owens's show at PragerU years ago, and we were discussing the transgender question and in discussing that, contradicted the sort of politically correct view and said, oh, you know, maybe there's some questions here, right? I appeared on this show a year, I believe, before Harry's ever started advertising on this show. 
The purpose of this show is to explore the hot button political and cultural issues and offer a conservative perspective on that. A perspective that is shared by tens and tens of millions, hundreds of millions maybe of Americans, but that is, is not in line with the woke, politically correct fads and, and uh, ideas that have really only cropped up very recently. Harry's knew that. They knew all this sort of stuff going in. But when a, a Twitter account with two people following it takes a hit to try to prevent uh, conservatives from having advertisers and therefore to prevent conservatives from, I don't know, using good products, using good razors like Harry razors. They go in, they buckle, they spread this then to their tens of thousands of Twitter followers. And, and they are saying, we condemn the views in this video. They're saying we condemn the views of conservative Americans. We think that the views of conservative Americans are inexcusable and at odds with our longtime views. Advertisers cancel on their campaigns with us sometimes. And then we get new advertisers sometimes. And that's totally fine. There are plenty of reasons why an advertiser might cancel a campaign. Maybe we're just not selling enough, enough of their product. Maybe they don't like something that we said. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the wind blew in a certain way in the morning and they just had a change of heart. That's all totally fine. Advertisers have every single right to do that. It's just a very different thing when instead of just canceling their campaigns with us, they start attacking, not just us at Daily Wire, but they start attacking our audience. And they say that our audience's views are condemnable, inexcusable, all sorts of language. Views which, by the way, no one's ever been quiet about and, and which it would seem that, that certain advertisers are just being opportunistic when some random Twitter account says something about it. That's a very different thing. Advertisers, more, more than free to cancel whenever they want. But when you start going after us in a really vicious way, when you start going after our listeners and our audience, then unfortunately for the advertisers, we need to speak up. There used to be a time in this country not that long ago where when you engaged in free associations with people, and I'm not even just talking about economic arrangements, I'm talking about civil associations, the PTA, the Lions Club, where anywhere with your neighbors and the neighborhood community, that you didn't have to have 100% perfect ideological conformity on everything. And that's a better country. That's the country that we want to live in. But Harry's, I guess, doesn't think we ought to live in that country. Harry's doesn't think that conservatives deserve to have good razors. And uh, you're, you're free to make up your mind with uh, what, what you'd like to do with that. It's kind of tough out there in the razor game today. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Gillette uh, telling people uh, that you should teach your daughter to shave her face. You've got Harry's now saying that conservatives don't have the right to, to get good razors. This, this shrinking of the private sphere where you can sort of have different views with your neighbors and that's okay. This, this ideological, ide ideologization of everything. Is that a word? It'll be a word now. The, the, I use that word because it's much more specific, but we sometimes call it the politicization of everything now, including the razors, that I, got, I have to be condemned by my razor company <laughs> because I hold perfectly ordinary views that most people have held for most of history about you know, the, the nature of man and the nature of these gender questions that have become very fashionable now. That, that is a really sad thing. 
And so we're, we're uh, really disappointed in that because we, we've got such great relationships with all of our advertisers, the ones that agree with us on lots of stuff, the ones that don't agree with us on lots of stuff. We just try to be good partners, just like we would be good neighbors with anybody around us, uh, you know, whether we have a 100% conformity with them or 0% conformity with them. We try to be good neighbors and bring people good products. Really, uh, really unfortunate that Harry's thinks that conservatives don't deserve good razors. On these questions... Uh, and on this one, which is so per- particularly hot right now, the gender question, you're going to see some, some divide among conservatives on it. Christy Nome, governor of South Dakota, who has been a really strong governor during COVID. She, I think, is uh, trying to line herself up for 2024. She just made what I think is her first really big mistake. Uh, she declined on Friday to sign a bill from legislators in her own party that would ban boys who identify as girls from participating in women's high school sports. This, of course, because when boys compete against girls in sports of any kind, they win because men are, are bigger and faster and stronger physically than women. She sent out a statement about this she said she wants changes. She wants to water the bill down. She doesn't want it to apply to college. And this because there are such prevailing winds in our culture to erase the distinction between men and women. And this has, I mean, just in a very practical way, this means that women are not going to win their trophies in, in sports. This means they're going to lose college scholarships. This is going to have real tangible effects. And it's also just unjust in and of itself because men and women really are different. And when you try to, when you erase that distinction, you do erase women. But because it's become so fashionable, such a hot button topic, Christy Nome has gone squishy on it. Uh, This is going to be a big dividing line in 2024. Speaking of 2024, who, who knows even who's going to be running on the other side? Ben is going to be covering uh, President Biden's fall down the stairs today and all those migrant children as well. So go check out his show. Also, last week was a huge week for the Daily Wire. On Friday, Candace Owens premiered her first episode of her new talk show, Candace. And so many users tuned in to watch this show that it actually broke our website. <laughs> it broke our live stream for a few minutes. If you have not seen it yet, uh, you are definitely going to want to check it out. You can catch key segments on her new podcast, Candace, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. But, and this is very important, only Daily Wire members can get the full show. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and get 25% off a new membership with code Candace. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe and get 25% off with code Candace. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So Christy Nome has gone squishy on this gender ideology question. She is now refusing to sign a bill that would prevent men from competing against women in women's sports. A bill, uh, you know, uh, this new gender ideology completely undermining women's sports notably, but the whole distinction between men and women and Nome, she's going a little squish on it. That's too bad because I think she could be a pretty good candidate. But to win the nomination in 2024, you need to be ready for prime time. Another guy who would 
seem very clearly to be gunning for the nomination, Ron DeSantis is playing his cards much better. DeSantis was asked a question about vaccine passports, the idea that you would have to prove that you've received the COVID vaccine in order to travel or to, to engage in commerce. Ron DeSantis came out and said, no way, absolutely not. The vaccine passport is a terrible idea. We are definitely not going to require anything from the state's perspective. That is totally off the table. If I have businesses that want to do that in Florida, I think that that's more than just a private decision. I think that impacts um, our society. I think that impacts people, particularly disadvantaged people, in a way that would barely be negative for our state. So what form that would take, I'd have to discuss it with my folks. I'd have to discuss it potentially with the legislature. But I think it's a very, very bad idea. Look, if you want to go to a movie theater, a concert, all this stuff, go. If you don't, don't. But to require somebody to show some type of proof of vaccination, I think is, is completely unacceptable. And it's not something that, that we're going to support here in any way in Florida. Really smart stuff, really impressive stuff. I, I've said this about DeSantis, you know, we don't know that much about him. He hasn't been around a long time. So before everyone says, okay, he's the nominee, we got to make sure he's got the stamina. But that, that's really good stuff. That, that's really impressive stuff there. Because he's not falling into the trap, the trap that conservatives fall into a lot, the trap that I describe actually in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Uh, which is available now for pre-order, but it probably won't be for much longer once Amazon figures out what's in the book. What Ron DeSantis is saying here is, we in the government of Florida, we are not going to have vaccine passports, okay? We're not going to require you to show that you got the vaccine. But further, if private companies or semi-private companies start to require you to do that, we don't think they should get away with that either. You know, when, when Amazon, when big, big technology companies came in, started clamping down on conservatives, started booting off the duly elected sitting president of the United States and censoring him. When, when hipster Rasputin over there, Jack Dorsey in Silicon Valley said, I should be able to censor the president of the United States. There were some squishes on the right who came out and said, private company, they can do whatever they want. There's no question here. It's come on. It's fine. If, if, a handful of billionaire oligarchs control the flow of information around the public sphere. That's fine. They can do whatever they want. It's a free country. No, because they, they understand that while this may not be particularly or specifically a First Amendment issue, it does more broadly get to the issue of American free speech. If I'm being censored and ostracized and prevented from engaging in commerce and politics by a private company, that's it, no better than if the government does it to me. I don't care. The effect of it is exactly the same. And the effect on our politics is exactly the same. And DeSantis is coming out and saying, no, they're actually, we're not going to just allow wokeism once it's totally infected the government to then just start flexing its muscles in the universities and in big tech and in corporate America. We're not going to do that. We're trying to conserve something here in this country. Uh, really, really smart stuff. Two options in 2024, as I see it is what, what Noam is now leaning toward, which is thinking that the future of conservatism is slowly accommodating modern progressive fads, that the future of conservatism is, you know, getting sort of okay with the, with transgender ideology. And yeah, it destroys women's sports and it lets men go use the little girl's bathroom. You know, that's, but we'll just, we got to do it slowly. As long as we accommodate that slowly, that's the future. She's clearly putting her chips on that bet. 
DeSantis saying something different. He's saying that the future of conservatism is about recovering something that is lost, even if that means questioning comfortable GOP talking points about how big private businesses like Facebook and Google and Amazon can do whatever they want and we should celebrate it. And DeSantis here is right. However, I still think we need to know more about the guy. We should not, we should not uh, get too excited about what's going on in 2024 just yet. We need to see a, a longer track record because these are very tricky questions and the public pressure is a lot and you got to make sure people can really, really stand up to that sort of thing. Speaking of tough politicians, we haven't checked in on our old friend Andy Cuomo in New York. Uh, he's a tough guy. I've got to hand it to him. A lesser politician would have already resigned. A lesser politician would have already been outflanked by his party and he'd be gone. Cuomo though, standing firm, he's saying, you got to impeach me to get me out of here. I'm not going to do it. Democrats doing everything they can. They're pretending that they're kicking him out over this contrived sex scandal. Actually, they're kicking him out because he totally blew it on COVID. And that exposes much more of them because they were part of that scandal. They promoted him during COVID. They participated in some of his policies. So they're going to try to boot him for the ridiculous sex thing. Now, the the argument has changed so many times. One argument was uh, Andy Cuomo, he made women uncomfortable. Then it's, now it's, he groped a woman or something. Then it's that he, now they're saying that they want to kick him out because he's too tough because he bullies people. There was, there was audio that was leaked. It was leaked on that New York Times podcast, that absolutely unlistenable New York Times podcast. (laughs) That, uh, that, uh, you know, occasionally it's at the top of the charts, Uh, but Michael Barbaro and uh, Barbaro and the New York Times left-wing outlet released this uh, tape, which is Cuomo talking to the Working Families Party in New York. For those who don't know what that is, it's like a (laughs) communist front, basically. This is as radical left as you can possibly get in New York. And he's talking to them and they say, look, we'll, we'll, endorse you, but we got to say we don't agree with you on everything. And he said, okay, you want to do that? I'm going to compare you to child rapists. If you ever say, well, he's better than a Republican again, I'm going to say you're better than a child rapist. How about that? Governor, our, I want to, I, I apologize, but I got to clarify one thing. You're free to say whatever you want, Governor. Um, uh, but, but I just, I just like want to be clear. Our line is going to be that we have differences with you but our differences with Republicans are far greater. That's what we're going to continue to say, because that is, you know, we don't have 100% agreement. And quite frankly, Governor, we're very comfortable with you saying the same thing. You know, you, you, you probably think many of our positions, you don't have to agree with us. I think you're better than a child rapist. I just want you to know. So now, now the Democrats are trying to make this into a scandal to try to keep pressure up on Cuomo. What's the scandal here? He's saying, listen, you jerks, you're, you're giving me an endorsement, but it's a a very underhanded sort of endorsement. You're saying, oh, he's a little bit better than Republicans. He goes, you want to say that? I'm going to say you're a little bit better than a child rapist. What's offensive with that? That's just tough politics. And Andy Cuomo is a notoriously tough politician in New York. You got to give him credit for this. And the fact that they keep changing the narrative, well, first it's this, then it's this. Now they're going after him for being a bully. I mean, it just shows that they, they're, they're desperate to get him out because they don't want to deal with the real issue. I think Andy Cuomo should be kicked out of office. I think that he is a very bad leader. And I think that 
his views are abhorrent on a great many things. And I think that he killed thousands of elderly New Yorkers through terrible policies. And then he knew about it and then he covered it up. I don't think he should be impeached for the contrived sex thing. I don't think he should be impeached because he was talked tough to the working families party. Don't let the Democrats get away with this. I don't think we should let them. I think we need to expose them for the actual scandal here, because this has much broader implications, not just for New York Democrats, but for Democrats around the country. Speaking of child abuse, Slate had uh, a letter, you know, a dear, dear prudence letter that I, I had to read on the air. It was so disturbing and tells you so much about our culture. Question is, should I abort my pregnancy and tell my husband I miscarried? Dear Prudence, I am happily married, financially stable, and a mom of a beautiful feral toddler. On a drunken night, I convinced myself that I did in fact want a sibling for my toddler. Quite the 180 from my staunch stance of one and done. I'm now 10 weeks pregnant and my second child, uh, with my second child and plagued by, by nausea, vomiting, and most of all regret. Should I terminate this pregnancy, meaning should I kill the baby, and tell all, including my husband, that I miscarried. He, his parents, and my parents are all excited about baby number two, as they should be. I, however, am completely disappointed in myself for having a lapse in judgment and thinking I would be okay with getting pregnant again. So much wrong here. What she's asking is, I want to live this life where I only have one child, and I do not give all of myself to my husband, and he does not give all of himself to me, and we do not, in our love, create new life, and we do not give this wonderful gift of life, which we've received to other people. But accidentally we did that because at least my natural impulses overwhelmed my bizarre ideology one night. And now I want to know, should I kill my baby and lie to my husband and family about it? This should not be a difficult question. This should be a dear, her name is thinking about termination. Dear thinking about termination, no, sincerely yours, prudence, right? That should be the letter. But here's the first line of Slate's answer. I don't want to be a parent is a wholly sufficient reason to schedule an abortion. You're under no obligation to disclose your decision to terminate your pregnancy to anyone else and it's yours and it's fine and it's all you and you should, you should have an abortion basically. The whole thing is so sad and so mistaken because this miserable woman is going to be even more miserable if she does this and our culture is going to be more miserable too if these ideas spread. It's just, it's, it's not even a question of what should I do or what should I be? It's, we're getting it wrong on the basic question of what am I? What is this woman? They say, I don't want to be a parent is a wholly sufficient reason to schedule an abortion. That's not a question. The woman is already a parent. She's a parent in that she has a toddler. So she's obviously already a parent. But the minute she gets pregnant, she is a parent. It would, if the question were, do I want to be a parent or not be a parent, then that is much more complicated, much better argument for no, maybe I want to push this off for some time. But that isn't. The question is much starker and this woman doesn't want to come to terms with it. That's why she's using euphemisms here, thinking about termination or whatever. And that's why Slate is using euphemisms here. The question is, should I kill my kid and lie to my family? Of course not. Just about the most wicked thing you can do. But this gets to what we're always talking about here. The language is what gives these ideologues the cover 
to justify and rationalize their wicked, abhorrent actions. The language does it. This is why political correctness matters. This is why the transgender issue, right, is a psychological matter. It affects a very small number of people who are men who think they're women or women who think they're men or who very much desire to be so. But as a social and political matter, it's hugely important. This is why when people, when squishy conservatives and dishonest liberals tell you, oh, who cares? The gender thing, it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. Okay, if it doesn't matter, then how come the left is spending so much time and money and energy on it, if it doesn't matter. Why, why is the left spending all of this energy to completely invert our understanding of the most basic fact of our nature, if it doesn't really matter? Because it does matter. Because if you can, through language, redefine a man as a woman, you can redefine reality. This is, as I may have mentioned even already in this show, a topic of my book, central topic of my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. And I think that the libs are going to con- try to control the words and try to continue to control our minds by suppressing this book. And they're doing it because we have always fallen into this trap of not understanding what PC is and how political correctness is an instrument that gives the left a lot of power. And it's why the harder that the conservatives seem to fight against it, the more we lose. How even a tough-as-nails 2024 candidate like Christy Nome goes squishy because they don't get what this is about. Really sad stuff out of slate, so, you know, I suspect that woman doesn't listen to my show, but maybe she should. Planned Parenthood comes out. They just, uh, they, Planned Parenthood defended Cardi B. So this relates uh, quite a lot to what we're hearing here. It says, shout out to the iconic black women using the power of pleasure as a form of resistance. Exactly the opposite is true here. Pleasure is a good thing. Pleasure comes from God, right? In its proper place. When you make an idol out of pleasure and when you give in to your most base animalistic pleasures and desires, that's the opposite of power. That's the opposite of resistance. That becomes a perversion of what could be a good thing. You just know this. If you give in to drugs, let's say you indulge your base appetite for drugs and you shoot heroin, you become a heroin addict. Does that mean you're powerful? Are you capable of resistance then? No, you lose your ability for resistance. Same thing on sex, same thing on food, same thing on all manner of giving into our base desires. And Planned Parenthood knows this. And the left knows this when they have pushed this kind of, largely through sex, because sex is such an important uh, aspect of our nature. It's why they're focused on the gender issue now. It's why they've been focused on the sexual revolution since the 1960s. If you can get people totally riled up about their most basic animal aspects and instincts, then they lose their capacity for higher thinking, for the ability to control their will, for their ability to resist. As always, what the group like Planned Parenthood says is exactly the opposite of true. They, the left gets everybody riled up about sex and gets everybody riled up about race. Elizabeth Warren, the uh, grand chief of our United States Senate, uh, Liawatha is now coming out and uh, attacking the filibuster. The filibuster is what slows things down in the Senate, requires senators to get more votes than a bare majority to go along and, and advance legislation. It's been around for a long time. It's why the Senate in many ways, is supposed to be the greatest deliberative body in the world, is that it's not as impulsive as the House. Whereas the House follows its more uh, 
animalistic instinct sometimes. It's, it's closer to the people and it's more given sway by emotion and passion. The Senate is supposed to be more deliberative. She wants to get rid of that. She says, the filibuster has deep roots in racism and it should not be permitted to serve that function or to create a veto for the minority. In a democracy, it's majority rules. Not really in our democracy. I mean, the woman clearly hasn't read the Constitution or the Federalist Papers anytime recently. Or maybe she has and she's just lying about it because we do not have a simple majority rules government. We have a intricate system of checks and balances, an intricate system of a separation of powers where the, the major, they're voting and the majority and there's a democratic aspect, but there are also some undemocratic aspects. You see this much more so in the judiciary and theoretically in, in the Senate is the states are supposed to elect the Senate, not the people, at least in the original formulation. But the, the irony here runs even deeper. She's saying the filibuster is racist. Elizabeth Warren has used the filibuster at least three times when it suited her. She supported the filibuster to block Tim Scott's police reform bill. She supported the filibuster to block billions in COVID relief when Republicans were pushing it. She supported the filibuster to block the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act that would require doctors who were unsuccessful in killing babies in the womb to not butcher them on the operating table. She used the filibuster for that. She endorsed Wendy Davis, abortion Barbie in Texas, uh, in part because of her, quote, famous filibuster. So Elizabeth Warren has no issue with the filibuster when it suits her purpose. And then when it doesn't, she says it's racist. She says it's racist because racism has been deprived basically of all meaning. It is the worst thing that you can call somebody in America today. And so it is just a term that the left uses as a synonym for bad. And if you point this out, this hypocrisy, do you know what she'll do? She'll shrug her shoulders. She doesn't care. Because she knows that it's only conservatives who care about being called racist right? It's the left doesn't care. They just say, nope, no way. That's the word that we use to control you, not, not the other way around. So she's going to use it. And you can't make a reasonable argument then. If, if Elizabeth Warren is saying, yeah, I'm just going to be dishonest. I'm just going to, I'm going to do one thing and I'm going to then speak in a way that would, would contradict it. And if you yell at me about it or you call hypocrisy, I just don't care. Well, in that case, deliberation is not possible. And th this is why you're seeing on the left a push toward, in our government bodies, less deliberation. Uh, in our immigration policy, for one, just flooding people, ignoring the law to give them a bare bones interest majority. You see the undermining of, of objective truth. Smithsonian Institution comes out and says, yeah, objective truth, that's a term of white supremacy. You, you see grades are a, a form of white supremacy. Uh, mathematical concepts, form of white supremacy. So all uh, your, your base instincts, your pleasure, your most animalistic desires, that's the way you resist, right? So just suppressing your reason, increasing your appetites, because at that point, politics does not become a way of persuading one another through reason of our ideas. It becomes a, a battle of interest and brute force. And that's the politics the left wants. That's the politics they're getting. Speaking of racism, the Georgetown men's basketball team, along with their coach, the whole team and their coach, took a knee before the national anthem 
ahead of the NCAA tournament game against Colorado on Saturday. Then they lost to Colorado 96 to 73. Good. Glad to hear that. That's a silver lining in this very stormy story. The kneeling for the flag is a sign of disrespect. I know some disingenuous libs pretend that isn't the case, but Colin Kaepernick, who started the whole protest, said that. He says, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football. So he's saying, when I stand up, that shows pride in my country. And when, when we say national pride, what are we talking about? We're talking about loyalty to the country. We're talking about patriotism. We're talking about love for the country. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to kneel down because I don't like this country. And what these guys, this Georgetown basketball team is doing is they're saying, I don't like my country and I'm going to disrespect my country. Now, if Georgetown is receiving any taxpayer money, they should lose that money. The students who did this should be punished. They should, I hope, be kicked off the team, if not expelled from the school entirely. If the school administrators do not punish these students for this anti-American display, the school should lose its federal funding. And conservatives should be willing to push for this sort of thing. We have fallen into the trap of political correctness, whereby we either embrace their new standards, which are disrespect the flag, deny biological sex, deny this, deny that. Or we give up standards altogether and we say, well, free speech, academic freedom, whatever. First of all, the modern conservative movement began when Bill Buckley called academic freedom a hoax, said it was a superstition and God and man at Yale. Uh, but moreover, there is a thought that stops thought. Okay. We have to have standards here. It is better to love our country than to hate our country. And if you hate your country long enough, you're not going to have a country anymore. So we need to encourage people to love their country. We all did that in this country. Not, not even just conservatives, but even liberals did that in this country for a long time. Now we're pretending we're not allowed to say that. There's nothing hypocritical about preferring the good and discouraging evil and bad things. It's perfectly ordinary. It's what every political regime does. Okay. That's what conservatives need to get more comfortable saying. And you're seeing some bubbling up of this when DeSantis says what he said about vaccine passports. When President Trump in, in his presidency said, we need to stand for things. We need to make America great again. You know, we got to like, we got to love our communities. We need, we want good things. We want to good, we want to hug that American flag, right? And this would also happen to be the thesis of my book, Speechless. That I think is the future that is the, if, if conservatism is to have a future, if the country is going to have a future, that, that is going to be the future. Otherwise, we're just giving up and rolling over to the left in crisis after crisis after crisis. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. 
and production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. The left becomes increasingly desperate to connect the Atlanta mass shooting to racism. Another Teen Vogue employee has her own racist tweets from the past resurface. A viral TikTok video proves again that all cyclists are psychopaths, and a man storms off an elevator after I commit the sin of not wearing a mask. All of that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.